Welcome everyone to an exciting edition, a long away edition of Conversations with Shelby Green. I am your host, the main man, head honcho, the man, the myth, the legend himself, old Shelby Green. You can call me Shelby Nass, the main man, 911, whatever you want to call me. When I say 911, I have no idea, but we're going to roll with it. So, what's been going on with me? As everybody knows, I promised a lot of things in this podcast and it just got sidetracked in a lot of things. And it sucks, but it is what it is at this point. So, basically, I moved in with my girlfriend, got settled down with that, was working a lot, just didn't take enough time to do this, and I missed doing it a whole lot. I really, really, really missed it a lot. And basically, um, you know, it wasn't, you know, I just didn't take enough time for it. And it really, really was bothering me, because I honestly missed doing this, and it sucks. So, I'm back into it. Weekly episodes, just doing the solo thing. As everybody knows, me and Price Johnson trip. We're doing another podcast. That podcast will never be off the ground again, as far as I'm concerned right now. Price is extremely busy. I am extremely busy. So one show we can. And shout out to Price by the way. Him and Mega man, they're doing a um, a radio show. Man, I think that's awesome that they're doing that. So that helps out with a lot of things as well. So I'm very excited to bring forth. Um, we're going to talk a little pro wrestling since this is going to be basically. The last episode, me, sorry, the last, the other podcast, me and Price doing, we were talking strictly about wrestling. And this one was just a free-for-all. It's going to be whatever I want to talk about. You might get wrestling one week. You might get a movie next week. You might talk music. You might talk video games. I might have a guest. I might have this. I might have that. You never know what I'm going to do. It's just a different, it's just a different feel around here. And that's all I got to say about that. So we're going to talk about Labor Day weekend. We had a big, big, big event, a big Big day in pro wrestling. We had three shows, technically. I only watched two of them um, because Worlds Collide, the NXT show, and the NXT UK show. I just had time this weekend. Uh, probably next week I'll get that review out to you guys, do a little side review, but I just didn't have time. But we're going to talk Clash of the Castle and AEW All Out. Plain and simple, that's what we're talking about today, and I'm excited and ecstatic to talk about these two shows. And I'm saving AEW for last because I got a lot to talk about the backstage drama at All Friends Wrestling. I mean, All Elite Wrestling. I'm sorry. So let's talk a little um, about Clash of the Castle. Now, everybody's been talking about the UK. You know, United Kingdom, their wrestling fans are passionate. It's just a matter of fact, sports in general. Soccer, rugby, and boxing, man, is huge over there. They are very, very passionate about that. I am extremely, extremely, I was extremely excited to hear about this show that was coming here. It was the first major stadium show to take place in the United Kingdom since 1992 SummerSlam, which is arguably one of the top three to five greatest SummerSlams of all time. It's actually got the greatest, I mean, people say the main event, the late, great Dave uh, Boyd Smith, the British Bulldog, against Bret the Hitman Hart for the Intercontinental titles. Probably the greatest SummerSlam match in history, let's be honest. And then you got, it's the first UK pay-per-view to take place and since Insurrection in 2003. Back in the day, if you remember when they did the brand split the first time in 2002, WWE was doing a UK show for SmackDown and a UK show for, for Raw, and they were doing that. So, because that's how business was back then, man. Those overseas tours make a lot of money, but they did it. They did the reason why the show was called Clash of the Castle because it takes place in Car- It takes place right next to a castle called Cardiff Castle, which is basically right next door to Publicity Stadium. I apologize if I butchered that name, but so basically Cardiff Wells. Publicity Stadium, an attendance record of 62,296 people. 
The stadium holds, I believe, 76 to 80,000 people, depending on the capacity of what you're going to watch. So that's pretty awesome. So let's talk about this. Also, uh, at the end of this, I'm going to talk about what's going on in WWE right now as well. And at the end of the AEW show, I'm going to talk about AEW, like I said, but I'm going to compare the shows which show I think was better, which one I would watch first, and whatever. So basically, I would say the production value on this show, it looks great. The production-wise, you know, you got guys talking. You know, we got a lot of good things going on in wrestling right now. I mean, everything's popping, locking, dropping. We all got it going good, you know what I mean? It's just a good time to be a wrestling fan, man. So we had a pre-show match to talk about, and I actually got late to watch this. Mad Cat Moss and Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Force taking on Austin Theory in the Alpha, Macad, Alpha Academy with Chad Gable and Otis. And by the way, look at this. First big new Triple H doesn't creative. Let's give Austin Theory his full name back. I never understood why why Vince went that route. Like, I never understood. But six-man six tag team match, you know, pre-show. People were getting in their seats, getting a little excited, getting a good feel for the match, getting a feel for the show. So, and basically, um, it went six minutes, 29 seconds. Street Profits are a great tag team in this industry today. Uh, Montez Ford is the money of the two. I've been high on Montez Ford. I think he can be a world champion one day or at least a semi-card main event babyface type. I don't I don't know about heel. He's a good promo. He's got energy. He works his ass off. He sells his ass off. Angelo Dawkins is a good a good running mate, a good tag team partner. You know, I can't understand why they don't split because honestly, I don't know what they do with Angelo if they do split up. Mad Cat Boss, I think he's got a lot of potential. He 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 had a couple good spots in this. He he did a he did an overhand, I think he did an overhand slam to Otis, who's a big boy. Madcap is fired up. He gets fired up. He's got a lot of ability, I think, whatever. Now let's talk about, you know, Madcap and Street Profits got the win for this. I'm not going to go into detail about this because I really didn't pay much attention to it. But I will say this. Austin Theory, the kid has got a lot of potential. He's money. I can see why Vince wanted to push him. And Triple H is going to keep that thing going. Triple H sees the potential in this kid, too. He's young. He's bright. He, his work looks good. He's got a lot, of, he's got a lot, a lot of ability. Alpha McAdamy. Otis and Chad Gable, it's a good tag team. Got nothing against it, but I like Chad Gable with Jason Jordan out in American Alpha, and I liked Otis and Tucker together with um, Heavy Machinery. I do like Otis, you know, now he's being serious and more taken seriously, but the old, that whole thing he was doing was pretty awesome. But it, it, went, it was a nice little filler match to get the car out, get into it, get, get excited for the show. By the way, only, including the pre-show, only seven matches on this show. That's another positive thing for that, and you'll understand why when I go later in this review. So, Damage Control. The, ma the match opened the show is a six-woman tag match. Damage Control, which is Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky, a.k.a. Io Shirai, against Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka. This match went 18 minutes and 44 seconds. I didn't realize how long that went, by the way. I was watching that day, and I was thinking, damn, Man, I didn't realize how long, how much time they gave these, they gave these girls. But anyway, the, Bailey is a really good heel. At first, when she turned heel, I wasn't really fond of it. I can see why they did turn her heel. I get why she did it. And, you know, it was, you know, whatever. Dakota Kai is a, is a good hand in the ring as a woman wrestler. She does a lot of good things. I like I like her work. And Io Sky, Io Shirai, she's a high flyer. She's goofy as shit by her face or whatever, but she does a lot of good things. Now let's talk about the babyface side of things. Bianca Belair, money. 
I think she's one of the best hands in the ring in the world today. One of the best athletes in a wrestling ring today, man or woman. She's awesome. Alexa Bliss, always been a fan of her. Even when she's doing the doll thing and everything else, I like Alexa a lot. And Asuka, I've always said this, Asuka was money, but bad booking, bad decisions. I heard Bully Ray, a.k.a. Bubba Ray Dudley, for people that don't want him to watch TNA wrestling, say the other day on the show, WWE eventually has the female version of the Great Muda in their hands with Asuka, and they refuse to do anything with her. And I never thought the comparison, and I get what they're saying with the with the mist and all that, I get what they're saying. But anyway, good match. I'm not going to give you a, a star rating on the matches, but because I, I, it's not really fair because I didn't grade the, the pre-show, but you know what, fuck it, it's my show, I'll do what I want. I'm going to go on a scale of 1 to 4. Five on this. I'm gonna go a solid three star match. I think it's a three star match. Uh, it's really good. They did a good job. I thought you know the, they gave the heels some steam with Dakota and Bailey and EO getting the win. I thought that was big for them to go push because and Bailey pinned Bianca. So we know Bailey and Bianca are gonna work down the stretch. So you know, interesting saying. You know we're you know we're we're gearing up to Crown Jewel and. Extreme Bulls and Survivor Series, and then pretty soon we're getting a Mania season. It's crazy how fast wrestling goes during the year. Now let's talk about the third match of the night. This is the match that, to me, was the best match of the weekend. Gunther, the Intercontinental Champion versus Sheamus. Accompanied by Aperium, Ludwig, Kajir, and they brought Genevieve Vincent back to bring back Aperium. They brought them back together. Awesome. And Sheamus, of course, accompanied by the brawling brutes, Ridge Holland, who I think had, who I do think is is a good worker, and I like Ridge and Butch, Triple H. I know you're slowly doing this, but please, please, let's bring back Pete Dunne. Butch is just a horrible. I don't know why they came up with this name, but anyway, like the way they started out. Gunther comes out, Sheamus comes out to a nice ovation, you know, and then Gunther comes out to heavy booze. So you got two people that are, I believe, Gunther's from Austria and Seamus, of course, is from Ireland. So whatever. I did like how they start out. Imperium and the Brawling Brutes are fighting all the ring. And Seamus and Gunther are just sitting right in the middle of the ring. Right in the middle of the ring, just staring at each other. And as soon as that bell rings, they're not locking. They're throwing bows. I mean, they're throwing right hands and just snug working. Good snug work. I mean, it was so snug. Seamus, who's pasty as hell, he's just, his face is just getting destroyed and shot. And, Sheamus fought for underneath. Sheamus sold for Gunther. And Gunther looked really good in this. He looked, you know, Gunther's changed his look, his, his look up. He's leaner. He looks healthier. You know, because I remember Price told me, we, me and Price talking about this, when they brought Gunther to the roster in 2019 Survivor Series, if people remember what I'm talking about, he had the share down when he was in the room with McIntyre and Strowman. He looked small because of his stature. He was thick. Now he looks more leaner. He looks more up. His upper body looks a lot better. He looks good. But back to the match, man. Sheamus, he sold his ass off for Gunther. Gunther was whipping his ass. False finish after false finish. Sheamus did the 10 barrels of being, I think, two or three times on Gunther. And Gunther was chopping Sheamus. They were laying their shit in multiple false finishes. Sheamus was selling his back. Gunther hit, hit him with a powerbomb once, kicked out. Michael Cole, great job. Great job on selling the commentary when he said he didn't get all of it when he kicked out of it. The second power bomb he hit him with, Gunther, uh, before that, Sheamus went for a bro kick and his back gave out. Gunther takes advantage of it, goes in for a power bomb. He kick and he kicks out. Sheamus gets up, fires up, sh- and shaking his head like you ain't gonna got. You know, I'm still got fight in me. You know that Irish, that Irish in him is bowling. 
and Gunther's shouting back forth. The crowd's into it, and the crowd was on their feet the whole entire nine. You even saw Tyson Fury, who was on top about who made an appearance in the show. Tyson Fury was even on his feet cheering these guys on. And Gunther comes in with a sick-ass lariat, and that's all Shane was left. One, two, three. Perfect finish. Perfect match. Gunther keeps the IC belt. Sheamus puts Gunther over, but Sheamus gets a standing ovation. My opinion, three to five. It's a five-star match, guys. It's going to be hard to beat a match better than that this year. Great match. I cannot stress to you enough. If you, this is the type of match where people say, how do you watch that fake wrestling bullshit? This is the match you're showing. Yeah, the, yeah you say what you want to say, but these two motherfuckers in there beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, it's fake though, right? Why don't you get your ass in there? This is the match that you show people. This is the match that you show people, plain and simple. Fourth match of the card, and I'm not doing the in-ring, the backstage segments or whatever. I'm just going to go straight to the matches here because I'm reviewing two big shows and an AEW show. We're going to get into it. It's going to be a long one. Liv Morgan's defending the SmackDown Women's Championship. By the way, can we do something real quick? And I mean this from the whole, from the bottom of my heart. The SmackDown Women's Championship, the Raw Women's Championships, and the the SmackDown Tag Team and Raw Tag Team Championship. Can we just get rid of the, the, the show? Can we just make them like the world or change the names? It just sounds so basic. And I just that's just my opinion. Liv Morgan taking on Shane Blazer, and I got this one wrong. Take a Mountain Dew break real quick. I got this one wrong, y'all. I honestly thought that Shane would win this. I think the fans are turning on Liv or whatever, but surprisingly. They did it. This was a was really solid. This is really a solid match. I mean, I can't, you know, nitpick it enough. Liv sold her ass off for Shayna. Shayna bullied her, beat on her, whatever. Liv fire, fired up a little bit. Come back. Liv Morgan, the girl who started four or five years ago, is different. Is so much more of a better performer. Liv has busted her ass. She's worked her ass off. You can tell, man. It's it's awesome. It is really really awesome to see what Liv's doing in the ring, man. I'm I'm, I'm happy for Shayna. I've always felt like she should. She needs a women's world title run on the roster. She was dominant in NXT. Everybody knows that. I mean, her matches with um, her matches with Kari Sane, Kari Sane were great. I mean, she had a match with Rhea Ripley where she dropped the title. It was one of the, it's probably one of the best Rhea Ripley matches you can find. I mean, she can work her ass off. I think Shayna is money, but she put her over clean in this. I was surprised. Liv did. They did a. And by the way. Nice job by Triple H and the, and the booking, the, the creative team coming up, showing Liv training with Matt Riddle, who is a former UFC fighter, to prepare for Shayna Blazer. Because let's be honest, Shayna is a legit MMA fighter. She's a legit badass. She can hurt you. So they did a good job with that, giving Liv at least booking wise. They're like, okay, she's got a shot. She's trained with Riddle. So I like the psychology of that. Just a little one on one for you. But overall, though, she hit her. She hit her. Finished clean in the middle of the ring. Good match. I couldn't really say nothing, you know, negative about it. I think it was a really good match on a scale of one to three, a three to five, a one to five. I'm gonna give it three. I'm gonna give about three point two five. I think it's a good match. Three point two five stars. It's a good match. I liked it. I don't know what's going forward. We know we got Ronda Rousey beating up people and everything else. Eventually, the rumor is I've heard that they're gonna go Becky and Ronda. For the women's, the, that's the big women's match this year at Mania. So we'll see what they're going to do. Charlotte's still out there. We're waiting on her to return. She's been out for a minute, too. It's like, damn, but, you know, sometimes go away. So, you know, eventually she'll come back in that title picture. Fifth match of the This is a, now this match to me, I was not excited about at all. And I actually liked it a lot. Edge and Rey Mysterio with Dominic Mysterio against the Judgment Day. Finn Balor and Damian Priest with Rhea Ripley at ringside. And. 
Edge Mysterio got huge pops. The Judgment Day got boos. I mean, it was a good match. Damian Priest, I've always been felt like he's money. I've always felt like that he's about five years too late right now. Everybody knows he's in his late 30s. I feel like if he was, he came five years at this time period, if he was at five years younger than what he is now, he would probably be in the main event right now. But he's in a good position. I mean, he's with a good faction, Finn Balor. Good, you know, good talent. I mean, always been a fan of Finn's in some form or fashion, but I do like it. And Rhea Ripley, I think, is money. I think she is the woman of the next five or six years that's going to take that women division to newer heights. But this was really good, man. They teased the whole Dominic and Rhea thing, Rhea whooping his ass or whatever. I mean, Edge came out in a luchador match, which I thought was pretty fucking funny. I mean, it was awesome. They had a good match. I like the finishes. Priest did a, uh, I remember Priest did a, a spot where he leaped up on the barricade, nice athleticism, and then he got crotched, and he made, he did a little facial thing with his, puffing his cheeks out, I thought that was pretty funny, um, like the finish, Edge hit a, a 619 on Finn Balor, good, the coup de grace finish, the tease of that, I like that, Dominic getting involved, costing them in the match, so basically, the heels, basically, the way they beat the judgment, the judgment they got beaten this, I feel like they gave him an out. Like, okay, they got beat, but still, Dominic doesn't interfere what happened. So they gave him out on that. Good match. They, only went, about, they went about 12 minutes. You know, it was, it was really good pacing. It felt longer, but I realized that eh, actually ended pretty quick. So that was really good. Um, I did enjoy this a lot um, for what it was. Um, but honestly, we're going to talk about the post-match. Edge, Ray, and his son Dominic in the middle of the ring, and you know, you just see something was up. You just saw it. And Dominic fit, uh, field goal kicks Edge in the nuts. Low blows him. Edge does that thing where he looks at him like, why? And then Ray's trying to calm down. And he just lariats. Short arm clotheslines Ray's head off. And it kind of reminded me when Eddie Guerrero got arrested. So turned it turned on Ray back in 2005. Go look it up. It was kind of the same thing. And the Judgment Day over in the background laughing, clapping, like, yay, look what they did. Ha ha, we got them. And then the next night of Raw, which I'm going to talk to a little bit about, about Raw at the end of this, what happened last night because I'm recording this on a Tuesday, is the good Paul fall through what we're going to see. So, you know, Dominic, he needed a fresh coat of paint. They need to do something different with him. I like it. Get him away from his dad. You know, we're going to talk more about that later on. But I do like what they did this. Scale one to, uh, one to five, I'm going to give this three. Three stars. I think it was. I think it was good. I thought it was really good. It was good pacing, good finish work. You know, you got some vets in there, man. Finn's been around a long time. Ray's a luch, uh, Ray's a legend, and, and Ray's a legend. Edge has been really. If you literally look at it, Edge, don't get the. We talk about guys like Randy Orton and Batista, John Cena. I think Edge should be in that conversation with those guys. I mean, I talk about it, and some other people do, but I don't hear it enough, in my opinion. And. I will say, you know, I like what they're doing. This Judgment Day thing is getting good. They're getting a lot of time on TV, and it's getting over. And I think Rhea is technically the leader of this group, it looks like, the way it is. And we're going to go to the semi-main event now. Singles match, or I would have called it a grudge match. Seth freaking Rollins versus Matthew Riddle. Giving Matt Riddle his full name back, whatever. Now let's talk about this, and now I'm going to be negative as fuck. Not for long. You know, these guys have talked about each other's wives. They cussed each other out. So they're gonna, Matt Riddle said he was going to fuck Seth Rollins up. And I was talking to a couple people I'm like, yo, this match needs to start hot. It doesn't need to start like whatever. Sure enough, what do they do? They run the video package of what happens. They show the highlight of the 
offset interview and everybody's all excited, yada, yada, yada. This is what's going to happen. And what happens? Matt Riddle comes out, bro, his theme music, and he's riding his scooter to the ring, nonchalant being his entrance. Seth Rollins comes out as an entrance. And immediately I said, this is not what I fucking wanted to see. This is what I would have done. Because it was a good match, but it just t- that just took me out of it. You've had these two guys. Riddle has had a, easily had, his, had a neck injury. Rollins has curb stomped him multiple times. He's talked about the man's wife. They've had to separate him in a parking lot against each other. Rollins brought up the fact that his wife divorced him after he had an affair and took his kids away from him. Matt has told him how he was going to fuck him up, smash his fucking face in. He said it on national television, live TV, or pre-taped interview. He said that. And they started to match off. I'm just going nonchalant. This is what I would have done. If I, and this is just me, this is what I would have done. I would have shown a backstage clip of Rollins walking to the ring first as a heel, and Riddle is trying to get past security to jump Rollins. He wants to get his hands on Rollins, and Rollins is being the heel, taking his time with his interest. Then Riddle, as soon as Rollins' music stops, Riddle says, fuck this, I don't need my music, and he runs to the ring, and they start off hot. And maybe Rollins isn't taking his jacket off a little bit, and he's still trying to get his jacket off. And they're brawling, they're fighting, and then the security gets in, the security gets in. And this goes on about five to ten minutes. And finally, you get somebody in there with a position like, if you two don't stop, I'm going to find you both and suspend you both. Maybe get Triple H out there and do that. Calm down and have a match. And then the bell rings. And then the bell rings. And of course... And of course, when that happens... Like then you then they go and they start brawling. Then they can slow it down and bring it back up a little because they've already wasted five to ten minutes of it. They've already wasted five to ten minutes, so they don't need to, um, you know, do a whole lot. You don't have to jump start it. That's what I would have done. I wouldn't have started the way it did. But overall, they did have a really good match. I thought solid for sure. Um, is more the word I would use. Uh, I didn't like that. You know, they they teased a little bit. Real getting out of control with his motions. You know, Rollins being... Rollins is such a damn good heel, man. He, Seth Rollins is really good. He's really good. And, you know, Riddle is a goofy douchebag, but he makes it work. Um, you know, the more I think about, you know, Riddle fired up when um, Rollins called him a loser, got in his face, and then said stuff like, um, like, like you're, you're a goddamn loser. He said, on, and then... Real instead of punching the guy in the face, he gets up and starts like doing these little hand slap things. I'm like, what the? Like at least you know, fire up and throw a fucking punch. I know slapping somebody is supposed to be degrading, but really, overall, I did like the finish we got coming up where Riddle um, and also I liked Rollins using Riddle's finisher in the match and getting a false count. Um, Riddle getting out of control. He's got Rollins laid over across the announce table. He gets a swing him with a, 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 a concerto type. He Rollins missed. He rolls in the ring. As Riddle rolls in, Rollins stomps him. Then Rollins climbs. I can't remember if it was the top or second rope. Stomps him again. Gets a clean win. One, two, three. Rollins. And Rollins wins. And by the way, I was counting. Rollins has lost. Somebody did this. Rollins has lost over 50 or 60, 60 times this year. So Rollins really needed to win. And Rollins gets a win. So we, we're happy with that. And then at the end of the match, Riddle's laying there on the mat. Instead of laying there and selling his neck, he's up on his feet holding his neck. Didn't like that at all. Um, overall, solid match. Disappointed a little bit. 2.5 out of 5. Don't care. I know some people are like, what the fuck? Didn't like the way it started. 
Uh, didn't like the way the I like the finish ways, but the aftermath of the finish, the mid the comeback for Riddle, it just I just it's not. If you're gonna sit there and get this personal with someone and get in an issue with that, I just did not like that. It's just not my thing. Maybe I'm being too much of an old school head of wrestling. Maybe I'm just looking at a different way. But that's just the way I look at things. Now the match that sold the pay per view and sold the house. Singles match for the Universal WWE Championship. Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. Man. First off, I will say this. Before the match, the here, out of time, say goodbye. What is yours? Now is mine. I have seen Broken Dreams. They hear that Broken Dreams theme by Drew McIntyre. I got goosebumps watching that. It's a great theme. It's one of my favorite wrestling themes. It might be in my top five or ten if I really think about it. It's a great theme. Drew comes out with the sword, and the crowd is into Drew. You know, they're doing, oh, Drew McIntyre. They're doing that whole chant. It's great. Roman walks out, the number one guy in the business, walking out to the ring, and they're booing him. I mean, there's not people cheering. They are booing his ass. And, sorry, Mountain Dew break. They're booing his ass and talking. They're doing all these things. Just great, great, great working working ways and then I'm watching the match you know Roman comes out they do the pre-match from you know doing the matches the waiting or whatever and it just feels like different and they ring the bell and Roman's looking around like like what the hell and by the way nice job of Michael Cole and Corey Graves and even Byron Saxon telling the story about without the bloodline how does Roman do this how does Roman win this match the Usos weren't made it clear Paul Heyman had been, <laughs> been seen since Brock F five him at SummerSlam. So we're they're trying to figure they're telling a story. They lock up a little bit. Drew overpowers Roman. And Roman actually does some more. He goes in out of the ring corner to calm down. He walks the in, the ring apron or whatever. Back and forth a little bit between guys. Drew's overpowering Roman. Roman makes a little thing. And by the way, also, they tease Karrion Cross and Drew McIntyre get into it. They get into it. Roman takes advantage of that. So Glad to see my boy Karrion Cross getting involved in this and being booked like a monster like he should have been the first time. Thank you, Triple H, for doing the right fucking thing with that. Anyways, and they're doing their thing. Good false finishes, good false finishes. The crowd's into it. They're booing Roman. Roman goes on the ring, grabs the microphone, yells out, Acknowledge me. Good work from both guys. I like the match. I really enjoyed this match. Um... Teased with the spears, the Superman punches, the Claymore kicks, like the, the finish of the referee. Drew Claymore kicks Roman from behind. After Roman's arguing a pinfall attempt, the referee goes down, and then you hear Austin Fury's theme music come out because he's got the money in the bank contract. He's going to cash in, and all of a sudden, he's over by ring. I want to cash in. And Tyson Fury, who is there, the, the WBC heavyweight champion, or punches him and knocks him out, interferes. And Fury did a great job. So he sold it like he was stiff. And it was a good working man's punch by Fury. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And, um, you know, they go in the ring a little bit. They're doing things. And Drew hits Roman with a spear. The crowd pops. And then Rudgers does a 3-2-1. And as me as a fan watching, like, they're going to put the belt on fucking Drew. Drew's going to beat Roman. Has him beat. And then all of a sudden, one, two, and someone pulls a referee out. Everybody's like, what the hell? And you look, the hood up, the hood comes off this person. Is Sola Sokoa, the younger brother of Usos, as Corey Gray says, the king of the streets, and another one of these Awani family members, Samoans that just know how to wrestle, man, shows up, gets involved, 
He crosses, he grabs Rue by the head, crosses him on the top rope. Drew turns around, Roman spears him. Ref calls in, one, two, three, Roman retains. Doesn't hurt Drew at all. He gets cheated out of this. Roman wins with a clean pinfall. In my opinion, I think this is another match, in my opinion, that I'm going to go. I don't say what's perfect. That, you know, I haven't watched this since it went back. That's why I'm just going through the, the key spots I remember. But what I remember, I really, really love this match. This is this and Gunther, this match and the Gunther match were the two best matches of the, night, of the weekend, in my opinion. They were number one, number two. And I felt like I would say I can go five stars or 4.75. Nah, I'll go 4.75. I'll be fair. So I liked it. And then after this, Roman walks away with Solo Sokoa. They're teasing how you beat Roman. How do they, he always has a plan up his sleeve. And then Tyson Fury gets in. They teased Fury and Roman doing something. And I thought, well, Crown Jewel's coming up. Maybe Fury's going to work with Roman at Crown Jewel. You know, I can see that. And they shake hands because Fury is a good sport about certain things. And then he walks over to Drew, picks Drew up, and they get on the microphone. And he's, he's you know, rallying Drew up because Drew... You know, Drew worked his ass off. They had a great match. I thought the crowd was into it. And then they swing Sweet Caroline and American Pie together. And Drew was singing it there. He got beat in a world title match. It was very strange because some people online, I was reading Twitter, were saying, like, well, how are we supposed to support Drew if he's going to do this and that, yada, yada, yada. It is what it is, man. Overall, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed the match. I enjoyed this event a lot. And on a scale of one, now I'm going to rate the scale of one to ten. So, overall... Not one bad match on the card. There, you know, even though I had my issues with Riddle and Rollins. You know, it's still a good match. So on a scale of one to ten, I'm gonna give it a nine point five out of ten. Easily, WWE is doing some great things. SummerSlam was damn good, and Clash of the Castle was really good. So back to back, two big pay per views on our Triple H regime. They have been great shows, in my opinion. And this might be a running for show of the year. It's it's pretty damn good. I definitely enjoyed it. Definitely, definitely enjoyed it. So, whatever. So, now let's talk about what happened on Raw the next night. The next night on Raw, Braun Strowman returns. The beat, the monster among men, the titan. They need heels. I'm happy for Strowman to get a job back. But this makes me wonder. Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt. The eater of world. The fiend. We're waiting. The world wants you, Bray. We're waiting. Because the moment Bray White shows up on WWE program, because he's not going to AEW, he's not going anywhere else. Bray White's showing up on WWE television. There ain't no, he, there's not. I know there's a rumor about Freddie Prince Jr. starting his own wrestling organization or whatever. And there's a rumor that he made Bray an offer. I don't care. Bray Wyatt is going back to WWE programming. He'll be back on it. Just, Bray's one of those guys, unfinished business. I got to do the right thing. He'll show, I got to do this. He will show up sooner. Soon. And it might be, you know, by the beginning of the year, we might see Bray. But overall, when we see him, you're looking for a loud-ass pop, and you're going to hear something. Bray Wyatt's coming back very soon, y'all. And also, I do like what we're seeing with, um, I do like what's going on with the product on both shows. A lot of good wrestling. Changing things up or whatever. So, Triple H is doing a hell of a job, man. They're doing a really good job with this. But overall, you know, good show. I think they ought to do this more often. Triple H did say that they are talking about um, they are talking about doing more stadium shows once a year. There's rumors about Mexico getting one, them doing one in Japan eventually. If they can do a big show in Mexico City at a big stadium, that would be awesome. I think them going to England once a year is a big deal. 
I like Labor Day weekend. You know, we're gonna talk about Tony Khan, him throwing a bitch fit at a press conference about him about Labor Day weekend now. But Labor Day weekend is now synonymous with wrestling. Why not? Fuck it. You gotta do it. Let's do it, y'all. But overall, enough WWE talk. Now let's talk a little AEW. As I pull up the all-out results. All Out. So September 4th, All Out is, this is the fourth annual All Out, fresh off Forbidden Door, the New Japan show that me and Price went to in the United Center. Best arena I've ever been to, by the way. The United Center was awesome. And I was extremely excited about All Out, you know. I was really extremely excited about All Out and seeing what they, how this goes. You know, what can we do differently with this? And, um... You know, whatever. Good tease with Punk's injury and what they're doing with Moxley. But I, I went to the last year, everybody knows, in 2021. I went to the All Out in, you know, in, in they say it's Chicago. It's a, it's a suburb of Chicago, Hoffman Estates, which is really expensive. It's actually like 35 to 40 minutes outside of Chicago. And uh, I went last year, and it's easily one of the top three wrestling events I've ever been to. But we're going to run this down. <laughs> I mean... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fifteen fucking matches. And ugh. Ugh. Anyway. So started off the show right. They do the all the all out zero hour, what the fuck it is. They had there was there was four matches on the pre-show. Uh, Jericho's recent Asian side members, Sammy Gravar and Tay Tay Mayo, Telekine. Versus Ortiz and Ruby Soho for the AAA World Mixed Tag Team Championship. If you're not a hardcore wrestling fan, you wouldn't know what the fuck that is. AAA is a promotion in Mexico, by the way, everybody. This match went six minutes too long. And Ruby Soho got a broken nose of it. And Sammy Guevara and Tay Melo, they gave her some heat and they kept their belts. And on a scale of one to five, I'm going to give it two stars. Hook versus Angelo Parker for the, the FTW Championship. Angelo Parker is a good a good hand. Part of the Jericho Appreciate Society were Matt Menard. You know, Matt Menard is the only guy with, he's got thinner hair than me, so he needs to let it go. And then you got Hook, who I think has got a lot of potential. Needs some work still, but Hook has got a lot of potential. They went three and a half minutes, perfect timing. On a scale of one to five, I'm going to go 2.5 and a stars. Pat, Pat versus Kip Saban for the AEW All-Atlantic Championship. All-Atlantic Championship, I like that belt. It gives it gives a champion provi- the provide uh, the pro- to take the Indies and do their work around overseas because Pac does a, Pac does a lot of stuff overseas, but Keith Saban like his new look. It gives him a fresh coat of paint. Pac is, Pac is a good worker, good hand in the ring, good match. Um, I'm going to give it three stars, three uh, scale, a score of three. I like it a lot. Eddie Kingston versus Ishii. Oh, by the way, back to uh, the cheese Pac and um, – my little dog pockets, Orange Cassidy, um, working doing a show together, and I'll be honest with you, I don't give a shit about Orange Cassidy, and I'll be honest with you, if that they're they're working a six man on Dynamite this week, with a couple of our members, and I honestly don't care about Orange Cassidy, I won't be watching. Sorry, don't like the guy at all, don't like his gimmick or nothing. Eddie Kingston versus Tori on um, an Ishi, uh, Ishi is a. Uh, 
I would say a Japanese legend. I mean, in some way, form or fashion, but he's an old school. He's one of those guys that you would see wrestle uh, Tessaru and, and Tenru, those guys back in the day. But him and Kingston had a really good match. I like this match. Physical, strong style work. Chopping the shit out of each other. Good work. Three three out of, oh, let's go one. The one final go three. Now, that was the, the pre-show. Now, let's talk about the, the, um, the main show. Sold out house in the now arena of over. Let's see, they, they put the attendance up. They didn't put the attendance up, but it was sold out for sure. I think eventually they're going to have the way their business is run. I know they're filling arenas now, but they did sell out the United Center. They could probably sell out. They can probably do a bigger arena in Chicago than this if they really wanted to. They can go to the Rosemont, which is, uh, which is a bigger arena, and sell it out if they wanted to. So. First match of the opening card is the casino ladder match. The winner receives a future AEW World Championship match. You have Claudio Casanoli, Will Yuta, Penta L Zero, Ray Phoenix, Rush, Andre Aldado, and Dante Martin against all against each other and a Joker. Now, basically, with these Tony, Tony Khan is very creative with this. There, there's a casino battle royal and a casino ladder match. Every year for these, they do a tease where. There's a Joker. There's a um, like they do like they do with cards, and the Joker card is a random entry. So the match is going on. I mean, it's a solid ladder match. Doing a lot of high spots of the ladder, solid. And the Joker comes out, and before that, Stokely Halfway, Ethan Page, Lee Morana, Colton Austin, Austin Gunn, and W. Morrissey all run out in like hoodies and black ski masks and lay out. And Stokely climbs the ladder and pulls it up, the Joker coin off. And then a music song. I can't remember what the song is, but it comes out. The Joker comes out, and he's got. He's all in. He's all like covered up. You can't see who he is, but by his walk and stuff, you know who he is. And I'll get to the ending. But the Joker walks in the ring, and Stokely hands him the coin. He's he's the number one contender now. He gets a future world title shot. And I'll. That's all I'm going to say about that. That excuse my language. Excuse my burp. Excuse me. <laughs> The next match, many people thought this was the match of the weekend. <laughs> Tournament final for the inaugural, the inaugural AEW World Trios Championships with Trios' six-man tags. The Elite, Kenny Omega and the Young Balding Bucks, I mean Bucks, against um, Hangman Page and the Dark Order. Going to talk about Hangman Page in a little bit. This match went 19 minutes, 50 seconds. You know, typical PWG... Kenny Omega, Young Buck special, bunch of high spots, no sense at all. Teasing the crowd, up and down, not bad work, solid. Oh, the Casino Battle Royal, I'm going to go just th three three stars, three stars. It's not too bad. Um, Omega, and they did a lot of things where basically Hangman Page cost the Dark Order this match. They did a lot of good things. John Silver, John Silver looked really good in this. John Silver I, 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 has got a lot of personality for a man his size. Alex Reynolds is okay in the ring. The Young Bucks, good tag team. Kenny Omega, he he works and works for some people. He doesn't work for me. Hangman Page has got a lot of ability, but I'm gonna get into Hangman in a minute. Why I'm not talking much, but did a lot of good things. Hangman went for the buckshot lariat and caught Alex Reynolds with it, or was it Silver? I think it was John Silver with it, and he makes a mistake. Young Bucks come in, grab him, and Kenny pins him. One, two, three. Um, good match. I'm gonna go on scale. One to five, I'm going to go 3.25 stars. 
Um, Kenny Omega getting a camera say, hey, boys, follow that, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Well, I got followed later tonight by at least two other matches that are better than this. Match number seven of the night, Jay Cargill with Kiara Hogan and Leah Gray against Athena, a.k.a. Amber Moon, for the AWTBS Championship. And I really was excited for this. I thought we are going to see Jay Cargill work her ass off, and we come to find out two matches got cut short in this, and this match was one of them. Started out hot. Uh, the baddies outside, which is Kiara Hogan and Leah Gray, fucked up the first, first false finish of the match. Um... I mean, Jay Cargill is getting better. It just, she's getting better. It just needs to take more time with her. But they have a female Goldberg. You, I, I honestly think at this point, they had a good match. Athena sold her ass off for her. Athena had a really cool entrance. And then she caught her with a, uh, Jay caught her with the Jay that finished one, two, three. They went four minutes and 20 seconds, two and a half out of five, in, in my opinion. Um, if they had more time, it would probably be better. I did like it. Price and I were talking about, like, what the fuck is going on? And then he, Price went online and said two matches got cut short. And the next one comes up after this next one about the review. But in my opinion, if you're going to beat Jay Cargill, you got to get somebody that can make her vulnerable for her size. Chris Statlander will probably be the, the, the woman for that. But she's out with an injury. They got to find someone. And overall, I thought Athena would be the one with the, her finish, but obviously it wasn't. They got to find someone. Match number eight of the night. Realize I'm talking quick about this because I got some other shit to talk about at the end of the show. Wardlow and FTR versus Jay Lethal and the Murder City Machine Guns in a six-man tag. This is the the second six-man tag of the match. There's a lot of six-man tag. This is a, the fourth six-man tag match I reviewed. I reviewed for the weekend. Um, overall, FTR is the best tag team in the world. Top three. I mean, the top three tag team in the world, in my opinion, are FTR, the Usos, and the Briscoe Brothers. Argue with your mammy on that. That's the truth. Motor City Machine Guns have been around for years, but I wish Tony Khan ran some video packages because a lot of the average fans don't know who they are because they're going to impact all this time. Jay Lethal's been around for a long time, a good worker, good hand in the ring. And Wardlow called it money. As Pat Price will make jokes, says, we could be McDonald's somewhere. Hey, Wardlow's money. Well, I told you it was money. It gets better and better every time I watch him. Um, I like what they did here with this match. This is really good psychology. FTR is so good. That's Harwood is really, really shining. And Cash Wheeler's doing a hell of a job too, but Dax is really shining with his, his promos because where Warlow comes in, cleans house, hits the powerbomb sympathy. sympathy. I like what they did there. I mean, they, I think he powerbombed Jay Lee for four times, if I'm not mistaken, for one, two, three. And then Sanjay Dutt, the, the uh, manager, you know, he was talking about Dash's kid. The, you know, Dash went there and knocked him out. And then um, I think Dash knocked him out. And then his Dash little girl came in and pinned her one, two, three. A little, little nice thing. Oh, and Samoa Joe made a run in after a while. Um, the run into they got because you know Ring of Honor is tied in with AEW because Tony Khan uh, owns Ring of Honor. Um, overall though, um, one uh, scale of one to three, I'm gonna go three point two five. I think I thought it was really good. I like FTR, Wardlow. I like those. I like them working together. I like it a lot. So good match. Match number nine. This was probably the match I was most anticipating the whole weekend. And I kind of got bummed out by it. Powerhouse Hobbs versus Ricky Starks, a grudge match. And they Tony Khan did a good did a good job booking this. He did a really good job booking this, I think. But this was the second match that got short of the night. And Hobbs gets the win over Starks. I think both guys are money. I think, you know, there are certain guys who are on television for AEW, and I feel like there are certain guys that are not on TV enough. These two guys are main simple. They need to be on TV more. Power Hobbs, 
House Hobbs is a monster and has a lot of ability. Ricky starts as a babyface. He's electrifying. He has charisma. He has he can talk. He can work his ass off. He's a good work. Why are these two guys just now taking Tony Khan this much time to put him on TV? Ugh. But overall, five minutes needed about another ten minutes in my opinion. This could have been really good. This would have been one of the best matches of the weekend. Overall, though, short time. Hobbs gets the win on the spine buster. Let's go one through five. I'm going to give it a 2.75. And the only reason why I'm giving that that low because I felt like if it had an extra ten minutes, that could have completed the story a little bit more. Just thought whatever. Okay, one of the biggest surprises of the weekend for me. A tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. Swerve in our glory. Keith Lee, Keith, Keith, Lee. <laughs> Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland versus the Acclaim. Anthony Bowens and Matt Castle with Billy Gunn. This, to me, was the match of the night for AEW. This was really good. The Acclaim. And I remember we were talking, me and Parsh talking. I said the Acclaim could be a babyface. He goes, how? They don't know how to be babyface. I said, they got enough guys right there to teach them. The Acclaim are babyfaces. And... They actually got Chicago to boo Keith Lee in Swerve Strickland. Good matches, false finishes. They sold the Anthony Bowens' knee wasn't it was having issues. Billy Gunn, you know, getting in there. The crowd was into it. Um, the crowd was up and down for this one. I really liked it and like the finish. You know, the finish, the power bomb, the spirit bomb with the foot stomp that they're doing with Swerve and Keith Lee was really good. But uh, overall, my opinion. I'd like to see a rematch, and I think Dynamite Grand Slam will get a free rematch, and I think the Acclaim might win those belts. They might get a run, because I really, really thought, I did not care too much for this, and I was blown away by it. On a scale of one through five, I'm going to give it a five stars. I'm going to give it five stars. Actually, you know what? I'm going to tie with Roman and Drew. I'm going to give it a 4.75. It just, it wasn't a five-star match for me, but it was right there. It's really good. It's really, really good in my opinion. All right, full way for the Interim Women's World Championship, AEW Women's World Championship. Tony Storm, Dr. Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Akira Shida. I couldn't say her name right. Uh, I guess Thunder Rosa didn't want to do the job they're saying now. Uh, they're saying that she's basically uh, being tough to deal with or whatever behind the scenes, and I kind of believe it now, seeing hindsight means hindsight on things. Overall, though, when 14 minutes, Tony Storm gets the win. Now she's the Interim Women's Champion. How about the fact that she's the new women's champion and then they, they – I just – these interim championships, the UFC does it, but they don't have – like, it just it just enough of the interim shit, enough with the tournaments. Like, can we get back to just basic wrestling? I understand we're doing this differently, but can just get some basic wrestling, some good booking. Goodness gracious, man. Um – um, overall, though, Jamie Hayter is slowly getting that baby face rub. I'm thinking Jamie, eventually, people are starting to get behind her a little bit. She's got a lot of ability. I popped on the tombstone when she deadlifted. Um, she de I think she deadlifted Tony up for a, a tombstone spot out of nowhere. She's very strong, powerful. Tony Storm gets the win, though. She pinned Jamie Hayter. Overall, though, guys, um, happy for Tony. She's getting a, uh, she's getting a little world, uh, world title run, but interim, excuse me, but Scale one to five. I'm going to give it a three and a half. I think it was really good. I thought it was good. A solid match for the most part. Good storytelling. Britt Baker's money. She's the number one. I think she's the number one woman on that roster. As a merch seller and as box office appeal, Britt is money. The 12th match of the night, the grudge match that everybody's talking about. Christian K. 
Cage versus Jungle Boy Jack Perry. I like to call him Jack Perry instead of Jungle Boy, giving a little emphasis on his name now. And it went 20 seconds. Christian had an elbow injury, and they pulled the trigger on Luchasaurus, who was actually with Christian Cage. He turned his back on Jungle Boy, chokeslammed him. He chokeslammed him off the stage onto the uh, ramp, and then powerbombed him through a table. And then they, they throw Christian Cage in the ring. I mean, Jungle Boy in the ring. Christian Cage spears him. Jungle Boy kicks out, and then he hits it. The kill switch. One, two, three, went 20 seconds. I would not have, if Christian Cage could have worked, I think that this match would have been different and we would have saw Luchasaurus turn on him in the middle of the, at the end of the match instead of the beginning the way they did. But overall, though, um, it was okay for what it was. Three stars. I mean, it delivered a story or whatever. Actually, you know what? I'll give it two stars because it didn't, it just didn't get, we didn't get what we wanted out because Christian did just so two stars. Chris Jericho versus Brian Danielson. Oh, boy. So, liked it a lot. Went 23 minutes. Good storytelling, good work. Crowd was kind of dead for this, in my opinion. Uh, Jericho bringing back the Lionheart thing. He's a wizard. He's an alpha. He's got a list. Love champion. Um, Lear, the, the inner circle... He's a sports entertainer of the Jericho Appreciation Society. He's a wizard, I said. He throws fireballs. He's got a spray tan that's too bright. He's got hair like Sam Kennison. Um, I'm about I'm tell you the truth, Jericho's getting to be getting starting to get go away heat with me. It's really getting to that point with me and Jericho. Just being honest. Um Brian Danielson had a little entrance theme or whatever, entrance to his thing. Good match. I mean, it was a good match. I mean, you know, Jericho low-blowed him, and Lobo Brian to win. They keep teasing the thing. Jericho needs to wear a fucking belt because his, his pants were hanging off his ass the whole fucking time. Um, Aubrey Edwards actually wasn't in the way of this match. She actually officiated a good match. She didn't make the match all about her with her weird-ass camera facials and spot camera spots she steals from people because she steals from the town all the time, and that's not being a good official. I'll get more than that. Just watch Aubrey Edwards' matches and what she does. And tell me I'm not lying. Tell me I'm not lying. She's really good at what she does, but when she 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 can be a, she can be the best damn ref in the the business. But she takes away from the, the matches all the time. She makes it about herself. She gets in the way of a lot of things too sometimes. Just being honest. But it was a good match. Three and a half star. Three and a half out of seven. Three and a half out of five, in my opinion. It just I'm just sick of Jericho. It's like can we just get Jericho to be on one thing? One thing. And I'm just not very fond of this. I think I didn't think he should have won the Eddie Kingston feud at all. I didn't think he should have won it at all. You know, we're going to put, we're going to make Eddie look so strong in that barbed wire match. Jericho beats him. It just, oh my God. Just some of the booking does not make sense to me at all. It's just, you know, Brian Danielson, in hindsight, should have beat Adam Page for the world title. Because he would have been, he was, remember, Brian was being the best heel on the roster. He was being a heel and getting over and having people hate him. And then he's back to being a baby face and he's floundering a little bit. And they're doing this thing with Daniel Garcia when, like I said before, I understand why he's got he's young. You see something in him. But you got guys like him on television and now we're just getting Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. Do I need to say more? This... Just this, this, this Jericho Appreciation Society 
You know, he's got 2.0 and Daniel Garcia trying to push, and you got that big lump sack of a goofball, Jake Hager back there, who ain't worth nothing but a wallpaper. He just stands there. Oh, got a list of just, just, uh, just, uh, they're just, this fucking, it's not like me being a fan. Like, I hate them to see them on television because I, I despise what they're doing and they're doing a good job. No, it's go away. He, like, I don't want to see it all. Like, do something with this. Tony Khan, you got too many damn groups, and this is one group here I don't like. Match number 14 of the night. God. Oh, another six-man tag match. Well, you know, six-man tag matches are a thing now in both programs. At least the other two in the other program, though, they make sense. And these are just thrown together outside of trios matches. Darby Allen and Sting and Miro, Rusev, against the House of Black. Big fan of House of Black. Like this group a lot. Uh, Darby Allen, I think, is a more emo version of Spike Dudley. He's doing a good job. He's going to tear his body up. Miro, I think, is money. I think Miro can be a great world champion for AEW if booked right. He can be a world champion in WWE right now if he went back. If they booked it right and did the right thing with it. And Sting, love him. Can't say a bad word. Malachi Black of the House of Black. Aleister Black has money. Brody King, good, solid, big man. I wish he didn't flip around as much as he did but because I think he, I think he's better when he's on his feet doing things. And Buddy Matthews. He's in the internet community. He gets his credit, but fans, like, I watch a lot of wrestling, and I, I'm involved with it, but, like, a casual fan, you see him, like, oh, he's good. You don't realize how great Buddy is in the ring. He's really good. And Julie Hart's doing a good job on the outside. I like how she was dressed like um, one of the people from the Doctor Sleep films. But um, this is a really good match. Miro took most control of it, teasing that he didn't want to tag Sting or Darby Allen in, didn't want to work with them. Um, Sting and... Malachi got into a little bit of a slugfest where they were throwing some bombs at each other and Malachi got his eyes split open. Also, Malachi, you want to talk about striking-wise, Malachi is believable, man. He is small. He's a really frail-looking. He's he's thin. He, he's ripped and cut up, but he is so believable the way he strikes and throws punches. I like it. Um, they do the whole thing with the miss where Sting has a miss. Well, Smith's in his face. Darby Allen single legs picks one, two, three. The match is over with. Miro is on the ramp. He doesn't want to celebrate with his team. And then they, they said, they read somewhere, Malachi walked to the ramp, he bowed to the crowd and blew a kiss and walked away. Basically, there's a rumor around Malachi wants out of his AEW contract. They're saying he's got some mental health issues. He's been depressed about some things, I guess. Or he's got some issues going on. I think the House of Black is a good gimmick, and I think Tony needs to, you know, he, Malachi don't want to be there, let him go. But it, I also believe that Maybe Malachi needs some time away to think. Sometimes you need that right now. I mean, he did go from AEW. I mean, WWE straight got released and went straight into AEW and get pushed away. He did. So I think this is only the second time he's been pinned, by the way. Or third time. He got pinned in a trios match on Rampage, I think, a couple weeks ago. But overall, man, um, I wish I want Malachi to make sure he's safe because I think he's a good talent and wrestling world needs him. We need him to be healthy and make sure his mind's right. And when he comes back, I think he'll be fine. Um, but overall, at least they'll give Buddy and Brody some things to do. If Tony Khan keeps Brody and Buddy off TV because of Malachi's issues, I'm going to be pissed. you got to put those guys on TV and let them work. Main event time. Whew. CM Punk versus John Maxey for the AEW World Championship. Punk bled in this. I knew Punk was going to bleed when he came out with the white trunks because anytime CM Punk wears white, he bleeds. He, he, you go back to the dollar collar match at, Red, at um, a Revolution with him and MJF, whatever. 
Moxley got some booze in this. Got booed a little bit. They went 20, 19 minutes, 55 seconds, about 20 minutes. Oh, back to um, uh, the House of Black and Sting thing, uh, the six-man tag match. 2.75 out of 5. Just. And then the main event, I'm back to it. Punk and Moxley. Um, overall, like this move, like this a lot. Um, really enjoy this. Moxley. Moxley gets a lot of shit from people online, but I like John. Uh, as a worker, I think he's really good. When he's wrestling, instead of doing the deathmatch bullshit, I really like him. Uh, Punk is. I'm not a big a CM Punk fan. Well, I've been very critical of him, but I can't. His AEW run, he's been really. This has been really. It's been really entertaining. Shows you what happens. You got a guy who actually knows what the fuck he's doing when it comes to booking and watches what he does. I try, I like Punk a lot. Overall, like the match. Punk gets the belt back. He beats him one, two, three. I like what they did here. Um, it, it was it was good. The, the, it was good home field thing. Moxley wins. Punk gets the. Uh, Punk wins the belt, gets hurt. Moxley wins it at Forbidden Door. They have a match on Dynamite and Cleveland. Moxley, they, they, Punk hurt his foot again. Moxley pins him one, two, three, and whatever. You know, and then they go to the final match. Basically, like, I wouldn't say a rubber match, but just a match that Punk needs to fight, and they win. I like that idea. I like what they did there. Um, Punk wins. Then the lights go out, and then the Joker appears on screen, and it's MJF. He walks out, it's MJF. And they also did a voice where Tony Khan called him saying, I will do this and do that to get you back. MJF comes out, and people were cheering for MJF in Chicago. CM Punk's hometown. And they're cheering for him. And they teased Punk and MJF, continue their food for the world title. And finally, MJF is going to get that belt, in my opinion. MJF is back. He flips off the crowd, and you know that that belt is coming home to me. And they go off the air. So, and I hopefully that we get that belt on a heel because, in my opinion, heels will always draw more money as champions than babyfaces. Unless you got a Hulk Hogan, a Rock, an Austin, guys like that, they don't usually nine times out of ten they don't draw. Well, heels will always draw better with the belt. They always do because you want to pay money. Your hero wins, you can just stay at home and watch it. You know he's gonna. But if your hero is chasing that belt, you want to be there to see him win it. That's the old analogy. So, four-hour pay-per-view. I'll be honest with you guys, and this is my opinion. If Tony Khan is going to do his specials on AEW television with Dynamites and Rampage and making them big deals, here's my thing. If you're going to do this, you need to, and I mean is what you need to do is basically make your pay-per-views two-part, two-part, make them two-night specials because... This is just too long. It's getting too long. You're doing these four-hour events. WWE took a notice with WrestleMania with the pandemic. They said, well, let's split our pay-per-views up and let's just, you know, relax. Split them up. And they're doing – and it, it, Mania's been better that way. Night, Saturday night and Sunday night is better. If AEW, since they got they got three, they got got four pay-per-views a year, they got Revolution, Double or Nothing, All Out, and Full Gear. Make them two parts. Make them – Night one and night two on Saturdays and Sundays. And charge them the same people. And you can charge a little extra $20 for two-day events. People will buy them. I'll buy them. I mean, just do it, man. I mean, it's just getting too long, man. And like I noticed that with Revolution, like things are getting way too long. And on a scale of one to ten, 
I don't want to sound like a negative Nancy. I'm gonna give it a seven point five out of ten. Just I was, just I'm just it's just too long of a show and just too much. Now let's talk about some fucking drama in AEW. While it's hitting too. Start back before the weekend of Double or Nothing when Adam Page and CM Punk were in the middle of the ring doing a face-to-face promo. And Adam Page was being a prick and went into business for himself against CM Punk over Colt Cabana, a guy who's never drawn a fucking lick in this business, this sport. And basically Punk basically called out Called out Page on national television three weeks ago, embarrassed Page, and basically embarrassed Page. And let me tell you something: a lot of people are bashing CM Punk. I am on Punk's side on this. I would done the same damn thing. Nobody's talking about Page going business for himself over Colt Cabana. Like, what's Colt Cabana gonna do? Colt Cabana ain't gonna sell you a T-shirt, a ticket, or a rating. He's not gonna do anything. He's a guy you put in, in the ring to put somebody over. He's too much of a goof anyway. I wouldn't hire his ass. So, basically, they bring Punk in, and Punk goes on this and post media, uh, post media event circum, circum with Tony Khan. And he goes in the And you look this up on YouTube, it's out there. Punk talks about the whole issue. With the bad report on the internet by Uncle Dave and the crew, Dave Meltzer and that crew that reported this shit, and he and what and Punk called it out, and Punk called Colton out, talk about the lawsuit they had and everything else. They haven't been friends since 2014 or 2013. He also talks about how he stated later on. Punk stated uh, made a statement saying Colton shares a bank account with his mother, which tells you all you need to know about what type of character he is. God dang, Punk. And he talked about the EVPs, called him irresponsible. He called Adam Page a dumb fuck. I popped at that. He called it out. He said, Punk later in day telling people he's trying to sell tickets for arenas while the EVPs are acting like stupid guys who think they're in Resenda, which is pro wrestling gorilla. Talking about you want to sell tickets. He said, you're referring to EVPs and the young. He talked about Omega and Young Bucks said they couldn't manage to target and spread lies and bullshit and put in the media that I got Colt Cabana fire when I had fuck all to do with him. And then he said this about Adam Page. Adam Page is somebody that hasn't done a damn thing in this business that has jeopardized the first million dollar house that this company has drawn off my back. Our locker room for all wisdom and brilliance it is isn't worth shit when you have empty-headed idiots who have never has never done anything in this business but do public and just say, I don't really take advice. So, and then Punk went off that. And then he's and then Tony Khan who's sitting there and you look at Tony's face like he's saying, God, I got a fucking problem in my hand. He does. And then Punk went into his angle with MJF said MJF is a supremely talented individual. And he also said MJF likes this shit where he eats instead of water of watering the grass. I like that analogy. I'm gonna start using that from now on. I kinda get what Punk's saying, but that was a, that was an angle he was shooting with MJF. The shit with the Bucks and Page and them was hundred percent real. I'm on Punk's side. And if I was Punk, and then after the thing, <laughs> they go outside, walks out, Kim May and the Young Bucks try to fucking whip Punk, try to fight Punk, and Ace Steel, who was a coach at AEW, got in there, and somebody, and Balding Buck, was it Nick or Matt, got knocked out, Omega got bit, like they got in a fucking fight about it. 
plain and simple. Tony Khan should address this. After Hangman Page went on live television on Dynamite and shot on fucking CM Punk the way he did, he draws the bell double or nothing, and he's immediately suspended. This shit gets out of hand. This is what happens, Tony, when you let things go. Because now you got the Young Bucks in who, let's be honest, the Young Bucks have a belt now, but we haven't got the third match of FTR yet that everybody wants. I wonder why. I wonder why. Because I'll tell you why. They don't want to work with FTR because they know what would happen. They don't want to work with them because they know they, they would get exposed. They get exposed every time they work with a good tag team because FTR ain't going to do their flippy bullshit. They're going to work. And the Young Bucks outside their gymnastics and the little selling points, they can't do much else. Kenny Omega is an egotistical douchebag. It's been proven time and time again. And I've been trying to tell you guys this. He's an egotistical douchebag. He's always been this way. He's arrogant. He thinks his guys get to wrestling. And this ain't a shit on character. The way he talks down to people and everything else. Like he was talking about how we're bragging about the, when NXT and AEW were first going to the Wednesday Night Wars, which really wasn't war. It was fucking stupid. He's talking about, well, they're a developmental system, whatever. whatever. So you're proud about your beating a developmental system. If you had the balls, if you were an EVP, why, why don't, Kenny, why don't you go to Tony and say, hey, let's compete with SmackDown on Friday nights. Let's do it. Let's move Rampage up and let's repeat, let's compete with Rampage. Let's put Rampage an hour in the middle of SmackDown. Like on the second hour of SmackDown, compete with them because they can't do it. They can't do it. And the Fox and TNT, nah, ain't got nothing to do with it. They cannot compete. It's a tape show versus a live show. They can't do it. They can't do it. So you AEW marks out there who want to sit there and say, well, Punk should be fired and Ace still should be fired. Ace still being fired? I understand. You know what? Ace probably stepped up around me, had his friends back. You're going to fire your number one box off track and go right ahead. Because I guarantee you in a year when Punk walks away from this, things change in WWE. You don't think Triple H can call can call fucking Punk on the phone and mend that fence? I bet he can. If Punk, if Triple H can get Bruno San Martino, the Ultimate Warrior, Goldberg, and these guys who have said and Scott Steiner said a lot of negative things in this world and have sued the WWE, he can get Punk back. Go right ahead, Tony. Listen to your EVPs and go fire your number one attraction. Go ahead and fire him. Go ahead and fire him, I dare you. It'd be the worst thing you ever did. Wrestling locker rooms aren't supposed to mend alone. It's all friends. Wrestling, we're all going to get along and be well. It don't work that way. You got guys like FTR and the punks of the world. You got guys in that locker room that been through this shit. You got guys who know this shit. They better get that shit in check, man. Because if not, Tony Khan's going to fuck this up. He's got to do something. He's got to put his foot down. If not, it's a problem. In my opinion, what I would do is this. If I was Tony Khan... Hangman out of page. Basically, plain and simple, this this stop with you. I would tell Hangman, I can't suspend you now because it's in the past. But you do that shit again, you're gone. You will be suspended. If it's that big of an issue, you will be fired. I would tell the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, you are vice president. Start acting like it. If not, you can go home too. And I would tell Punk and Ace still, Ace, you're suspended. And CM Punk... Punk, I know you're upset or whatever, but things got way out of hand. I understand your vent and your frustration, but it got way out of hand. And I would tell him, you do this shit again, I'm about to spin or fire you guys. This shit needs us to get squashed. Tony has got us take a, take chances with this shit. He looks, you see him. And then let's talk about Tony Khan, what he said about 
he's not going to take this shit. He, I'm not going to be at Jim Crocker Promotions and get fucked. But people, what he was saying was, years ago, Jim Crocker Promotions, which what became WCW later, was basically went to war. Vince McMahon basically out, you know, Vince when he started the WWF with the Survivor Series and all that. He basically basically was the made Jim Crockett put his money up and Jim went out of business. He basically bullied Crockett in the, in the competition. And when that happens, you do things like that, it forces things a different way. So plain and simple, Tony Khan said, um, let me pull this up on Facebook because this is what a crybaby sounds like. Oh, we were the first pro wrestling show Labor Day weekend last year, and we were the third this year. I don't think it's a coincidence when the fight is brought. I have a unique way of fighting. Unique ways of fighting, excuse me. I have a lot to bring to the fight. This is not a game to me. This is my life. I don't think it's a joke. I take it very seriously. When I compare myself to Jim Crocker Promotions this weekend, I got a taste of the same medicines Jim Crocker Promotions took. But... I have a lot more fucking money, and I'm serious. I'm not going to sit back and take this fucking shit. Tony Khan, WWE counter-programming all out. I'm going to say this once again. Tony, you need to worry. Stop worrying about WWE doing shows the weekend, because let me tell you something. The whole world was talking about pro wrestling during college football weekend. Everything else, everybody was talking about pro wrestling. They are talking about WWE in a positive manner. They're talking about you in a negative manner. So plain and fucking simple, Tony. You need to get this under control. If not, it's going to be a problem. As a matter of fact, you know, I got the video right here for Punk and Omega, Punk and the media scrum. I'm going to play it for you guys. See if it works on here. Oh, wow. Well, that makes two of us. My point is... If you fancy yourself a journalist, even if it's for the silly world of professional wrestling, and you have journalistic integrity, people who report things mostly that are bullshit and slanderous lies against myself, if you are friends with somebody, you blew my spot. If you're not friends with them, I apologize. But you should probably disclose who you're friends with. Um, I haven't had anything to do with Scott Colton in almost a decade. They wanted nothing to do with him even longer than that. It's fucking unfortunate that I have to come up here and speak on this when on my time and this is a fucking business uh why i'm a grown-ass adult man and i decide not to be friends with somebody is nobody else's fucking business but my friends if i fall backwards will catch me scott colton i felt never would have my problem was i wanted to bring a guy with me to the top that did not want to see me at the top okay you call it jealousy you call it envy whatever the fuck it is my relationship with Scott Colton ended long before I paid all of his bills. I have every receipt. I have every invoice. I have every email. I have the email where he says, and I quote, I agree to go our separate ways. I will get my own lawyer and you do not have to pay anymore. That's an email that I have. The only reason the public did not see is because when I finally had to counter to him through discovery, <coughs> I discovered. <laughs> he sent the email, oh, can we please drop all this? Now, it's 2022. 
I have been friends with this guy since at least 2014, late 2013. And the fact that I have to sit up here because we have irresponsible people who call themselves EVPs and couldn't fucking manage a target. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago Blackhawks fan. I made it really clear in Forbes, and I just want to make it clear again. Nate it's Quinn. not his position to make it very fucking clear. There's people who call themselves EVPs that should have fucking known better. This shit was none of their business. I understand sticking up for your fucking friends. I fucking get it. I stuck up for that guy more than anybody. Okay? I paid his bills until I didn't, and it was my decision not to. Yeah, but I shouldn't have no commented when Nick first said it. It's my I, fault, and I if I hadn't, it's my that. fault. It's my I appreciate fault. that. I should have just I'm, taken a head on because you never said it. But I'm trying anything. to run a fucking business, and when somebody who hasn't done a damn thing in this business jeopardizes the first million-dollar house that this company has ever drawn off of my back and goes on national television and does that, it's a disgrace to this industry. It's a disgrace to this company. Now, we're far beyond apologies, right? I gave him a fucking chance. It did not get handled, and you saw what I had to do, which was very regrettable, lowering myself to his fucking level. I would have done the same but damn thing, Paul. That's Fuck where that. we're at right now. And I will still walk up and down this hallway and say, if you have a fucking problem with me, take it up with me. Let's fucking go. What's your question, Nick? Hopefully you guys heard that. It's about four minutes. I mean, I'm not. I mean, this is what happens when you let inmates run a fucking asylum, y'all. Tony Khan, and you see how he sounds so regrettable about that. Like I should have done this, should that. No, Tony, you should have not even went to the media about it. There's been other shit you've done before this. Get it together, Tony, because you got a great oper- You got a great thing going over here. Wrestling is at a position. It's a great time to be a fan, and fans like me have been waiting since March of 2001 to have something that we can say, you know what, I ain't got to watch WWE tonight. I can watch this and be proud to be a fan. Impact, TNA, it has moments, but damn it, it, this has got a chance. It's pretty bad and shameful where I'm agreeing with Mark Madden on fucking Twitter. Mark Madden tweeted something the other night. Watch Impact Wrestling, great talent, and and they're not being a bunch of dumbasses, basically. Pretty shameful, ain't it? But anyway, guys, that's the end of the show. Tune in next week. I'm going to surprise you guys weekly of what we're doing things. I'm going to send this to my editor, Trip. We're going to have a good time. And just remember, everybody, I don't bullshit. I just tell it like it is, straight up. <laughs>